You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is uh, it is a glorious Sunday evening as the Pirates just won one of the more drama-filled series you will ever see. And quite honestly, uh, one of the best games we have seen in Clark Leclerc Stadium history to cap it off. Uh, I'm Steven Igo. The Bucks on the Pond podcast is back. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, X, etc. Jonathan Wagner, Scott Lorbacher, they are with us. As always, drop the comments. I think the comment section will be popping. We'll get to it throughout the show. Gentlemen, what in the world happened today at Clark of Flair? Uh, what a weekend. We'll start with Wags. We've got overall vibes. Let's just do a vibe check. How are we feeling, Wags? Man, I'm feeling great, you know. Everyone knows that I'm a big Canes fan, too. They just lost. I don't even care. Just because this this weekend, the end of this weekend was so awesome. And it's – I could talk for, forever just about the quality of the state of baseball in North Carolina. And ECU, UNC, they put it on display this week. And even Campbell in the midweek, another good game. But Friday was a good old-fashioned pitcher's duel. Saturday was another good pitching from Zach Root. Then the offense came by, and it made it a good game late. And then today was just absolute madness all around. And I was watching from home. It was awesome. It was definitely one of the best baseball games I've ever watched. And I've watched a lot of baseball games in my life. But the vibes are very high. And I think Scott said this earlier, but it's a lot better to go a two and two week with winning the last two. So I'm feeling really good right now. Yeah, the season was ending Friday at about what, 11 o'clock. And the Pirates are now going to Omaha. Uh, Scott, what's the vibe check in the Lower Batcher household? It's Bristol, baby. Uh, you know what a what a finish, what a way to win that game. Uh, it, it was great. Uh, you know, my roller coaster of emotions uh, this afternoon has been all over the place, much to the chagrin of the the people I live with. But um, from Tuesday night in in the cold, seeing Campbell beat us once again to Bristol Carter having a an all-time moment for East Carolina baseball in a super regional-like atmosphere. It, it's been a week, um, but like we said, better to win the last two than the first two sometimes. So we'll see how the polls shake up 
tomorrow, but tonight let's let's enjoy the series win over UNC. Yeah, it's it's insane, man. It's just, uh, I mean, I, I don't even know how you sum up the last three innings of the game. There were five lead changes from the seventh inning onward, and uh, I don't know. Uh, greatest ball game I've ever seen, J.P. Harrell says. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's the greatest ever, but certainly, I mean, just off the cuffs, guys, got to be top five in Clark Claire Stadium history, right? I feel like it's got to yeah. be up there. It's up there, and then my memory always goes to, even though ECU lost just the game two of Texas, or was that game, whichever one, the Starling hit the home run. Yeah, game two. But game two. So that one's up there, too, I think. So, But, I mean, man, it's one heck of a game just for the pure chaos of it with the pitching changes after every at-bat. It was one of those games, and I'm going to remember this one for a while, and I think the team will, too. Scott, any thoughts on where – I don't know if any other games kind of jump. Like, ECU had a crazy comeback last year versus UNC in the 6003. Uh, the attendance was that game, so that was a crazy game too. But set the all-time attendance record tonight, 6,017. Do you think it, uh, it it ranks up there? Yeah, yeah. The, two th- the uh, last year's game, 6,003, was my son's first game. So that one is, you know, an all-timer for me. But uh, the 09 South Carolina – Regional win, uh, that has to be up there. Uh, like Wags was saying, game two against Texas. Game one against Texas was was also a, just a fantastic game, too. Um, and then these two UNC games are up there. You know, it's a shame that we can't get State in here on a weekend to have one of those moments with them, too. But um, it, it's hard to beat 6,000-plus fans in that atmosphere with the series on the line and just the back-and-forth tennis match that was the last three innings. February college baseball, man. You you will not find that really anywhere. I mean, I, you know, maybe if the SEC – an SEC team has, you know, a big rival in for February, but where else can you find a series that – you know, that capacity crowd all weekend long? The Fayetteville game was incredible. Uh, the, the, the Chapel Hill game was an outstanding pitching duel. Trey Savage was awesome. It was a drama-filled weekend. Vance Honeycutt hits the home run for UNC in the eighth of game one. Absolute nuke. Uh, but ECU responds, and just a big-time response from the Pirates. All right, we'll get into the bullpen. I promise you that. We already got uh, like four or five questions on pitching. We'll get into that. Uh, plenty of discussion to come on that. Uh, we got a question about rankings. As always, drop your questions. We'll get to them throughout the show in our in our ranking segment. We usually go about an hour or so. Uh, TJ says, good game coming from ECU, or good game from ECU coming from a UNC fan. I was there last year, and it was a good experience. And uh, I'd, I'll, I'll say this, guys. First off, uh, kudos to the – I know a lot of North Carolina fans and – you know, the, the ones that are actually baseball fans have tremendous respect for ECU. Uh, I think the series is awesome, win or lose, for East Carolina for college baseball. Kudos to Scott Forbes, North Carolina, for agreeing to play this series. I mean, how awesome is it, guys? Over 6,000 fans, back-to-back days, and it would have probably been over 4,000 at UNC without the weather on Friday. I mean, this is, this is what college sports is about, man. And, it you know – if anybody went to any of the games this weekend and can't see why you should have local rivalries uh, in, in all sports, but certainly in baseball, then I don't know what to tell you. So uh, thoughts on that. We'll go around the horn uh, with Scott 
I know you're a big fan of these types of games. Just a special weekend, man, win or lose. Yes, you know, it's uh, gotten lost in realignment and NIL and all this about what college sports really mean. And I think baseball is one of the last remaining kind of bastions of what college sports is because the fanfare is there, especially um, in the SEC, in the ACC, at ECU and Southern Miss and other places around the country. And you don't get these sellout crowds playing against Penn State the first week or flying to Hawaii, and which is a cool road trip, but you, you're not going to get these types of crowds. Um, you know, it's just a shame that we don't have more of it. Um, I look at a team like Campbell. I'd love to play them on the weekend if we can make that work. I know it's such an easy midweek trip, and that's why you, you can't really do it. But you look at um, the tournament that was at Globe Life this weekend or in Jacksonville, where they got great teams from all over the country to come to these places. Well, we don't need to get great teams to come from all over the country because we have them here. So getting a, you know, even a multi-team event type thing played in Durham would be awesome. And, you know, for NC State and whoever else that maybe doesn't want to play ECU for a full weekend and deal with, you know, 6,000 Pirate fans breathing down their necks, well, then maybe they can play a Campbell and a UNCW as well to kind of spread it around and get these environments more than once a year, and, and shout out to UNC for playing this series. It, it really is what should happen when you have programs of these calibers. Because you know what? UNC still has their full season ahead of them. Losing this series is not going to break their year. But it's worth it to play it. And, and, I, and I give them a lot of credit for doing that. And when UNC goes on the road to other AAC, ACC venues, I guarantee you they're not going to face the type of atmosphere they faced this weekend. So a lot of those guys I think will perform better because of it. Uh, Wags, you know, you, you've been watching a lot of college baseball, as has Scott, you know, early in the season. Have you seen anything close to an atmosphere like this in any other game, tournament, anything? I I really don't think I have, and I don't think you can, at least not this early in the season. I mean, it's and it's not only that – it's two rivals playing, whether it's ECU and UNC or whether it is ECU and NC State on a midweek. But it's with these two teams specifically, it's two good teams. It's two top 15 teams in the country that are facing off. And it didn't matter if both teams were 0-4 going into it, but those crowds still would have been just as packed. And I promise you there was more than 6,000 in Clark Eclaire today. And there would have been even more in Fayetteville if you could. And – Man, it, it's just awesome. I mean, we, we can talk all day about it, and we've talked about it before, but the quality of baseball in this state is awesome, and it's something when it's on a showcase like this, it's great. But moving forward, put it on TV on Saturday, please. <laughs> I, I had to get that in there. I couldn't go it without it. It was hey. in my head, but, you know, please. If y'all di didn't see uh, – should we go game by game, at least for the weekend? I, I don't want to talk about Campbell because I'm, yeah, I'm done with that, but – I'm, th I'm trying to think. We got questions to answer, but let's go quick game by game and uh, just talk about the whole series as a whole. Because I do want to bring up some things from Saturday, maybe that people that were not there could not see. We'll start Friday. I mean, Trey Savage, just an absolute. I mean, you lose the game, Trey Savage strikes out 11 in six innings. And like, I understand why people were frustrated because they felt like ECU gave one away. I was always feeling like if ECU can just win Saturday, and get it back to Greenville with a shot to take the series, they'll find a way, which is, you know, kind of what happened. 
But Trey is savage, guys, living up to the hype and then some. Uh, any you know other thoughts along with Trey or just how Friday's game played out? We'll start with Wags. Yeah, I think the most impressive part to me about Trey was those first couple of innings, especially I think it was the second inning where the misplays in the outfield happened. And I think Trey handled that like a pro. It didn't phase him. He locked back in, gave up one run, I believe, off of those. And, and I mean, I'm going to tie it back to today, but that moment, I tweeted about it too, but Bristol Carter just getting off to that start on Friday, first career start in college, and he's out there in left field somewhere he probably hasn't played a whole lot in his life. He's probably grow up, grown up playing a center fielder, so not only is he getting his probably first start in left field, he played all fall there. And in center field, that is. And then at nighttime, this is probably his first time with those kind of lights at night playing left field too, ever. So he misplayed a couple of balls. It happened. He came out. He started Saturday. He got better from it. But Trey responded. Bristol moved to center. Riley came over. And the team battled. It was one of the good old-fashioned pitcher's duels. And I love a pitcher's duel. And you're not going to find many better than what we saw on Friday night. And Trey Savage is a – top 15 pick by this time the season's over and he put it on display and man, it was, but I'm really cool. I'm really glad that Bristol was able to bounce back from how he started because he deserves it. Scott, what'd you make of Friday's game? Yeah. It's what Friday night college baseball between two premier teams should be. I mean, it's a a two, one, you make a mistake and you lose the game type game. And we made a mistake and, and it cost us the game. And, I'm glad to see us respond from it uh, or respond to it. But, you know, Trey Savage is once again proving how great he is. You know, you look at Vance Honeycutt versus Trey Savage as a – that's something that MLB scouts are going to be watching for, right? And he mowed him down. I mean, he, he dominated him. And uh, we saw what Honeycutt could do later in the series. And uh, that UNC offense is really potent. I think it was kind of – you know, through the first what fifteen innings, we hadn't seen it, and then they showed what they could do in the in the latter half of the last two games. But I mean, Trey Savage is once again proving why he is an absolute stud. But you also saw why some of us picked Root to lead the team in wins because of how hard it is to win on Friday night in college baseball. How much? more on this podcast would we be discussing the fifth inning on Friday if ECU had lost the series? You know, Starlin tries the uh, – ECU goes with the sacrifice bunt. Uh, you know, Starlin gets it kind of back to the pitcher, not quite right enough. Obviously, Riley Johnson thrown at home. And then, you know, send Starlin uh, from third, Cliff Godwin does, and gets thrown out by a lot. So that was a, a critical moment. Obviously not as big of a deal because ECU won the series, but still that was a, a huge, uh, huge moment in the in the series as well. Yeah, I think um, for, for me, I think, you know, you look back at that and it does get overshadowed because ECU won. But it's one of those things that as the season goes on, it's like those kinds of mistakes can't happen. And, yes, ECU won the weekend. It's all positive from there. But there are things you can work on. And I think offensively, I talked a lot last week about approaches and how I thought it was so different. And I think the team looked better because of it. And I thought we took a little bit of step towards last year, this weekend, and whether it was giving away strikes with take signs or showing bunts and taking it away, and we could have a whole podcast on that stuff alone, I'm sure. Fake and, bunt fan club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and you know it's frustrating as a fan. There are there are times for it. There are places for it, but I think I personally I did not dislike the call to bump Starling there, but the execution obviously was poor, and it happens again. He'll grow from it. I'm sure they're going to practice the heck out of it this week, and all those situations. You know, running and Cliff is probably he was probably biting himself for sending him to begin with. So. It's one of those things that I'm glad that ECU won the series, but it is one of those things that you're going to have to clean that kind of stuff up if you do want to go on a run this year. Yeah, and uh, elite hit and run execution tonight. You know, we didn't see a ton of bunt tonight. Um, but, you know, that's just always going to be part of Cliff Goblin's offense's games, and I, I guess it just comes down to execution at this, this point. Right, Scott? Because, like, we kind of expect it. And, you know, there is that element, too, of, like, you know, because ECU will bunt in any situation, no matter the hitter, that the corners do have to play in on Starlin in situations like that, and that can play to ECU's favor. But there's give and take there for sure. I guess at this point we just accept it and uh, kind of it is what it is. I don't know. That's kind of my take on it at this point. Yeah, it shouldn't come as a surprise anymore, not to, to us as ECU fans or really to the opponents. I, I, I did notice Campbell – in you know squeeze situations really crashing the third baseman a lot um kind of being prepared for that and i thought we didn't play situational baseball very well on tuesday or really friday night at times and we recovered from that the last few nights of the weekend and you saw today how well we did with in hit and run situations and execution and you know getting the ball in play and flaring it over the second baseman for a hit is a bit of a skill so um, it's better that those things happen now in these key high leverage games than because we know getting into AAC play, there are going to be weekends where there will not be very many high leverage situations, right? There's going to be games where Trey's dealing, our offense is on, it's eight to nothing in the fourth inning. Same thing on Saturday with Root and even Sunday with the way that Jake Hunter's been pitching. So to, we got to get those situations in early, and we got to get them in on the midweeks. And we struggled with them in our first two opportunities, and we did a lot better with them in our second two. So Pirates come up short, two to one on Friday, going to Fayetteville Saturday. Again, game was not on TV. Had a couple of questions here. Uh, Michael Cy Floyd. Also, know why did they not put the Fayetteville game on TV? Adam says no TV was embarrassing. So basically, I, I think the Wood Ducks, uh, excuse me, the, the Woodpeckers, uh, I guess they don't have the TV capability set up for. I'm sure they broadcast the minor league game, so I guess they just don't want to do it for college games. Hire the personnel. Uh, I, I don't know what the exact setup is, but that is a Woodpeckers decision, and. Um, you know, just kind of is what it is. Second straight year, they played the game at Fayetteville with no TV. So hopefully people uh, listening to 94.3, you know, I know Scott Rogers did a good job on the call, painted a good picture, but it was an awesome atmosphere. Probably about 55, 60, 40 ECU fans uh, compared to UNC fans, but I thought UNC fans showed up well uh, as well. It was a great crowd. Both crowds were into it and uh, phenomenal ballpark guys. If you have, uh, if you, if you have not been there, um, but the story of the game was Zach Root. Zach Root absolutely shoved. Uh, bold prediction of the week. Thanks, uh, hat tip to uh, Jonathan Wagner for the reminder. Seven innings of one run or less was my call last week. Really didn't think he would go seven innings this early in the season, but he did. Seven shutout innings, seven Ks, no walks. Zach Root, ladies and gentlemen, big game Root is officially a thing. 
Scott, he was dealing on Saturday. Uh, I know you couldn't watch it, but how did it sound? Yeah, shout out to uh, Coach O and Scooter for for painting the picture for us. Um, I, I have been a longtime advocate of we shouldn't play places that we can't watch on TV. I drove to Campbell because I didn't want to give uh, Flow Sports any money. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, as we look at all of the questions that we have lined up over here, they're about bullpen. So as we get further in the year, you Savage, Root, Hunter are going to be able to pitch deeper and deeper into games. And just imagine the spot we'd have been in today if Root goes, you know, five scoreless. Still a great outing, but those two extra innings of work would have would have put us in a, in a much tougher bind today. I, I mean, it's almost like you could give Root credit for two wins for that for that performance. And he was super pitch efficient. I think I had texted you that at one point was like, he, I mean, he's getting in and out of these innings quick. He can, he can go a long time. So uh, just a great job. And, and what a, a growth by him because there was a time where Zach Root would go through the first time through the lineup and just dominate. And then the second time through, you would start to see, you know, balls getting hit a lot harder. And by the time he got around to – the third time, if he even did, it was a struggle. So the growth from him to shut down a lineup that was extremely potent that we saw the rest of the weekend, it, it's it's really great to see. And that one-two punch in a super regional is going to be tough for somebody to beat. I'd say what Root uh, post game, uh, I asked him because I think it was the third or fourth and second time through. To your point, Scott, he said basically his plan was to save the curveball you know, basically go fastball cutter. And I was taking uh, photos right by the UNC dugout, and they were coming back and saying, hey, like, I think he's still on a cutter at 89. They were basically trying to figure out what he was doing. Uh, and then first time through, didn't really throw the curveball. Second time through, three straight strikeouts looking on the curveball. He said that was by design to keep them off balance. So huge development over last year, more pitches, better execution. And uh, Wags, he was uh, he was something else on, on Saturday. What did you make of that? And and the offense, too. The offense got going as well. Four hit days from Cunningham and Starlin. Yeah, I think for Root, it. I mean, he faced the minimum through five. He gave up a hit in the fourth, and that was it. Caught stealing on that, so still faced the minimum. It's just crazy. And, you know, I looked, I looked back to media day, and he answered a question, and he said – he answered a question about him and Trey Savage kind of pushing each other. And I thought it was interesting at the time that Root was like, you know, whichever one of us ends up on Friday – it's the other one of us is going to be kind of looking over in our shoulder and making sure we're pitching well enough to hold on to that spot. And I thought that was interesting at the time because I'm like, you know, Zach, we, we think he's going to take a jump, but man, is he ready for that kind of jump where he's going to push Trey? And boy, he's here. And what he did is you have two aces in this staff. You don't have just one ace on Friday night and Trey Savage. You have an ace in Zach Root on Saturday. It's going to be great for the postseason. But and I'll transition to the offense now. And that was big because I think we were kind of waiting for a guy like Starling to come through and have that kind of day. And I think going in, I'll, I'll fully say I was like, you know, give Starling a day off. Let him see it from the dugout. I said the same thing about Wilcoxon. And I'm like, just, you know, let him see it. He's not seeing it well. And boy, he shut me up. And he came out at four hit day. And Carter Cunningham has we saw what he can do last year, hit over 300. And was one of the most consistent hitters on the team, I thought, down the stretch. And he's carried it over. He's hitting a two-hole, three-hole. He can hit five-hole. He can hit three-hole anywhere. 
And Carter Cunningham has really lengthened this lineup, but not only lengthened it, but really strengthened it in the middle with an all-around bat that can hit for average, hit for power, and coming through with bases on runs on base. So really positive there, and it really continued into Sunday, I thought, at least at-bats-wise, even if the numbers don't show up for some of those guys. All right, Casey Romaley says, don't get it twisted. It was a Ryan McChrystal legacy game on Saturday. So I'm going to tell you all what, uh, Ryan McChrystal, it may have been like the best all-around play of his career. Vance Honeycutt trying to steal and just like on the pretty good jump, but McChrystal threw an absolute seed to second right on the money. Um, and he was fired up. It was it was one of those like baseball plays. If you're there in person, you just appreciate. And uh, so I'm sorry that y'all missed that, but <laughs> – I hope it sounded good. I saw Scooter's replay. He about punched his iPad uh, celebrating so hard. But I really enjoyed that. And uh, big, big shout out to McChrystal. He also had a hit where legitimately, guys, as the pitcher was throwing the ball, I mean, I think he may have even released it before the umpire called time, the catcher called time. And he did call time before McChrystal's hit. But it was really odd. Like, umpire called time. And just as the umpire was calling time, McChrystal just laced the ball in the right field. So, of course, he ended up popping out after that. So, just a weird weird day. But, yes, Ryan McChrystal legacy game on Saturday. Pirates uh, get the 7-3 win. All right, let's get to Sunday. Again, keep your questions coming. We'll get to them. Somebody mentioned Luke Nowak. We've buried, buried the lead. Well, it's time to talk about Luke Nowak and Sunday's game. And uh, there's, there's so many things to tackle here, guys. We'll start with the pitching. We'll continue to bury, bury the lead. Uh, we'll get to Luke Nowak because we got more to talk about with him. Jake Hunter. I mean, all this talk about Root and you know, Savage, and Jake Hunter just shoved it up UNC's tail as well. Five and a third innings, one hit allowed. He was charged with a run that scored on the Casey Cook home run uh, off Eric Ritchie. But uh, can't ask for anything more out of Hunter, guys, through two weeks. What do you make out of his performance as far, Scott? Yeah, I think Wag said we had two aces earlier. I think he forgot one um, because Jake Hunter has done it. And we talked a lot about the in the preseason what it would mean to have like a third starter and even a fourth starter on Tuesdays. We don't have that yet. Maybe this Tuesday we'll, we'll get one. But um, having a guy that came out and give us five and a third of, of one-run baseball against an offense that is clearly very good just matters so much. And, and you look at what our pitching staff has done, you know, this weekend and last compared to the staffs we faced. Now, now Ryder was overmatched. Their starters gave them six total innings. UNC recruits as well as anybody at, at the pitcher position, and their starters gave them nine total innings. And you look at what our guys did, six, seven, five and a third. And honestly, if you would line them up, I think all three of our guys would be their Friday night guy. I think they have that level of talent. Jake Hunter has grown so much. Zach Root has grown so much. And it means so much on Sunday when your bullpen has gone three games during the week and maybe is a little more stressed than you would like them to be to have a guy that can give you some length. And he's only going to go deeper into games as the season goes along. He looked phenomenal. And uh, I tell you what, man, it – you know, we, we kind of expected Kaler, I would say, in the preseason to be that third guy, but Hunter has shown why he's gotten that first crack. I mean, he is – the swing and misses uh, are way up on just his off speed, so he is getting – I mean, struck out Honeycutt, what, twice today? 
Uh, it made some other guys look silly as well. The fastball plays up, especially when he's got the off-speed working. So really, you know, really happy for Jake Hunter. Seems like a great dude. Um, we'll get into the bullpen in a minute, but just the offense, guys. Execution in the seventh inning, I think it was hit and run with Barini, hit and run with Riley Johnson, hit and run with Cunningham all in a row, and uh, all three worked out. So, look, we talk a lot about small ball, and – but it creates issues for the opposing team. Like the crowd was so into it. I think the pitchers for UNC could not really focus on the small ball and maybe it plays better in that environment. But uh, what'd you make of that? And uh, just ECU's relentless offensive approach in the later innings, UNC as well, but ECU just seemed like they could not be denied today to get that win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it starts with getting guys on base. You can't play small ball and you run those hit and runs if you don't get guys on base and, Either the first or second guy in every one of those innings, I think, got on base when you needed him to. So they came through, and it was one through nine. It really was today. And you start with Riley Johnson. He came through, like you said. You know, Carter Cunningham, love him in the two-hole. Starling, three. JC, four. Dixon Williams, I thought, had a good weekend. I think the numbers aren't going to show it offensively, but he made a lot of hard contact the whole weekend, too. And when he needed to come through and get on base, he walked. He drew ba- he he drew base runners, and that's what you need from in that five hole, especially. Well, Coxon I thought was better, and I'm just going one by one here. But Luke Nowak, obviously, we know what he did, and you don't expect that. And then Cam Clonch in the DH and in the eight spot, you know, I think he had a slower weekend, but again, he got on base in the late innings when he needed to. You pinch run, and you get a faster guy, and you have flexibility. And Joey Barini at the nine hole, he had a Pretty tough start to the season. Joey Barini did. But in his last two at-bats today, he came through with singles and big singles and scored a run, scored a pivotal run. So I think that could be big for Joey Barini's confidence. But today, I think, again, I just went on a whole rant like five minutes ago about small ball and giving away strikes and all that stuff. But when you're doing it and executing how Cliff wants you to, this lineup's dangerous, especially when you're doing it one through nine. And they're only going to get better from here is the hope, at least. What was going through you guys' mind when Luke Nowak made contact and it was a home run? Like, did y'all think it was going to go over the fence? Or what was, What were y'all thinking in that moment? Yeah, I thought it was the same as the ball he had hit, like, what, two innings earlier? Where I was like, oh, I like it. I th- I was like, oh, it would probably go out in the summer, right? Like, if it if it's a warmer day, it's probably out. Um, and then the right fielder just kept drifting back and drifting back. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I think it was the exact opposite of the home run that I thought maybe he could have caught. Um, but, it, I mean, what a moment. So, I mean, we talk about the, the range of emotions within this game for – you know, Bristol Carter from the start of the weekend to the end of the weekend for Nowak within this game. I I mean, it's just it's just an incredible day of college baseball. That's I mean, it's hard to say much else about it. First career homer for Luke Nowak, and uh, I tell you what, he earned my respect during the game with the pop. As you said, he almost hit one out earlier. I'm trying to find the quote I just tweeted out. He had the quote of the post game. There were plenty because guys were emotional, but uh, Nowak, who, by the way, is from Wisconsin. And that's why I asked the question is like, I always find it interesting when these guys, they don't grow up in North Carolina. You got a guy from Wisconsin. Like, to be sure, he don't know anything about East Carolina, North Carolina, that. But 
I asked him kind of like, what's it like playing in these games, playing in this environment? And he said, quote, there's no one I like playing more than UNC Campbell, UNCW, NC State. Man, I can't stand them, to be honest. Just to be able to play in games that mean a lot because you're playing a good team and we're a good team. It's a big deal at the end of the year, and it's a big deal now. I just thought, you know, look, we hear so much player speak, coach speak, and, and nothing he said was bad. Uh, I think it's, you know, like I saw a Campbell person retweet it and say, like, major props. Um, because, like, that's how it should be. You should not enjoy playing against the team. You can respect them if they're a rival, but this is kind of the attitude you should have. And, look, it's a huge series. He said it's a big series now. It's a big series at the end of the year because that is the truth. All games are big, but this one has significance to it. So, Wags, Luke Nowak rising up the uh, the Igo media me- uh, meter, if that's a thing. It's happening. Yeah, and I want to go back to him on the field just for a second because, you know, we talked about his offensive, um, you know, what he did today. And, again, I thought the first one was out in the fourth. But I think defensively too. You know, he's last year he struggled defensively. There's no other way to put it. And he come in, he came in this year, and I think he struggled a little bit too when he was in left field. And then he came in today, he made a couple of big diving plays. And if he doesn't make those, then it's probably more runs early. So he made a big jump there. But, man, when I read that quote, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it fired me up. Because I've talked a lot already, just this baseball around the state, around the Carolinas. And, you know, those games showed me more. And clearly it does. It does to the fans. And it's nice to see players, even like you said, players that aren't from here, a dude from Wisconsin, coming down here to East Carolina, Greenville, North Carolina, and playing again a series against North Carolina, whether it's NC State, Campbell, UNC, Duke, all of them, you should be pissed off when you're playing those teams. You should hate those guys, and you should want to beat the crap out of them. And guess what? Luke Nowak helped you beat him, and, man, he hates him. And I'm, I respect the heck out of him for hating him. Luke Nowak, he uh, he took a step tonight, guys. Step into ECU baseball lore, at least against the Tar Heels. So uh, good, good for him. Bristol Carter also did as well. We touched on it a little bit earlier. I know you did Wags, but uh, just awesome to see. You know, came in as a highly touted freshman. Look, th- there's pressure on guys like that. You know, they can try to block out the noise, etc. But when there's, you know, we 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 talk about him the recruiting rankings. He turned down money in the draft. I think he probably naturally has put some pressure on his shoulder to come in. And uh, huge hit tonight. Didn't try to do too much, just went the other way. And, and a freshman in that spot can try to do too much. So it was awesome to see Bristol have that moment, Scott. Yeah, I mean, what a big-time moment. You know, I, I, I thought Dixon would get a shot at first. And I was like, how cool is this? A Greenville kid getting a chance to, to win it against North Carolina, especially after we saw another Greenville kid win a game against us earlier in the weekend. Um but, yeah, I mean, he got that moment seven games into his career at ECU, and he's going to have a lot more chances over the next two, three years to to have those moments. And it's just such a cool cool feeling to see a guy there that, like, he now he gets it. You know, no matter what has happened before, misplay balls, whatever, that's that's over. But now you get it. You got that moment. You You know that you belong on this stage. And, you know, he's played in every game that we played this year. I know he hasn't started every game, but he's gotten into the game. So I think you'll see him drift more and more into that everyday lineup. Um, and, you know, this is the catalyst for it. All right, we've gone 36 minutes without talking about the bullpen. So let's do it. 
and uh, we got plenty of questions. And look, I think it's early in the season. Let me preface this by saying that college baseball around the country, most teams enter a season with one or two guys in the bullpen, and then it's kind of like just figuring it out from there. And UNC's bullpen struggled this weekend for the same reasons. Guys don't really know their roles. They're trying to figure out confidence, pitches. There's coaching staff trying to figure out roles, et cetera. So we'll get into all this discussion. But uh, I think there's a reason we're, we're having this discussion. It's just college baseball in February. All right, Adam wants to know, is there anyone on the roster that did not pitch this weekend? So Colby Wallace has still not pitched in the game. Um, let's see. We saw Aaron Grola for the first time tonight. Uh, freshman J.D. Little is a left-hander. He has not pitched in a game yet. We Charlie have not. Hodges warmed up. Charlie Hodges was warming up. Well, according to the broadcast, he was, yeah. There you go. Charlie Hodges did not pitch. He has not pitched since Campbell last year. It has been over a year. Uh, is there anybody I'm missing, guys, that's listed as a pitcher? I know Michael Irby's a freshman. I would not expect to see him right now. Any others? Not that I can think of, which is crazy. The Campbell transfer, maybe? Um, oh, yeah. Um, but he, he's. I think he's a walk-on, so I don't know if he would pitch or not. Chandler Wilford or Williford. something? Williford, yep. Yeah, okay. And Wyatt Lunsford Chigman was unavailable today, according to what Cliff Goblin told uh, Scott Rogers. So there, those are the guys on the roster that didn't pitch this weekend that we can think of. I don't have a roster in front of me. Will Stafford says, what's the thoughts on the bullpen? Um, let's just all give our thoughts. We saw nine different pitchers tonight. Uh, we'll start with Scott. What do you make of the bullpen? They look gassed. Uh, you know, it's an emotional weekend. Um you know, I've, I've said it a lot, but UNC is legitimately a, a great offensive team. Uh, Tuesday night at Campbell, I don't think they pitched as bad as the result. Um, plays weren't made behind them. Uh, and, you know, we talk about wild pitches versus pass balls, but there were some wild pitches that I thought it could have been blocked that maybe put a little bit more pressure on them. But at the end of the day, yes. Do they have to be better? Yes, that is the answer to the question. But it's February baseball. Uh, they don't get a lot of time to gear up for the season. Um, that's something that I think college baseball needs to consider going forward. We saw, you know, a couple of different arm injuries um, at other in-state programs as, as guys got warmed up for the year. Um, they need more time to, to develop into their roles. And you're still trying to figure out who's, who wants the ball, who needs the ball, and who's going to take it and, and dominate with it. I think Shinkman's pitched well when he's had opportunities, and I think there's a lot of room behind him. Danny Bill has as well, but, I mean, he, he was on gas. He was on fumes today, you could tell. Um, so, yeah, we won't face a four-game span against offenses like we did this four-game span for the rest of the year, more than likely. So I think they'll have some time over this next month to really define those roles. I wouldn't press the panic button yet. Um, but I would maybe move it a little closer to you. Jonathan, are you – is that finger, is it itching towards the panic button? Is it like, uh, or is it more like I'm I'm good, mainly because the Pirates won? Is it is it closer to the button than it was this time last week? Yes, absolutely. But I think Scott nailed it. It's And this team isn't going to face – and I'm going to credit Clip Brock here because I believe I saw this tweet from him. But – this team isn't going to face another lineup as good as UNC's until you get to the postseason, probably. So I think that matters. And this UNC team is especially tough because their whole MO is working the counts, making pitchers throw pitches, 
getting on base and then making you pay from there. So for all these guys, you know, trying to settle into those rules, that's a tough thing to go against. So I, I do think that Danny Beal hasn't been his best this year. Wyatt Lunch for Shankman, he's been good, but I still don't think he's been at his best. So once those two guys, you know, get going fully is what you'd expect. And we've seen glimpses from other guys, you know, whether it's even Eric Ritchie. I think Eric Ritchie has been good in certain situations. And it's the situations I don't think he should have been in that he struggled in. And I'm not going to go on a rant. I don't want to drag the kid either. But he, I thought he pitched well after bouncing back from a rough start this weekend as well. And, you know, you got guys like Ethan Norby and Jackson DiLorenzo and Corey Costello, Aaron Groller, all of which have shown flashes. And especially Aaron Groller, I liked what I saw and what his one at bat today. He's someone – I and I'm, I'm getting distracted now. But I texted you to – before the game or during the game. And I said, I'm surprised we haven't seen Groller or more of Drew Bryan yet this year. And little did I know I would get them in back-to-back at-bats in the most pivotal moment of the season so far in that situation. And I think they both showed showed glimpses, but it's an early season. And as I settle into those roles, I'll be fine. And again, if our starters keep going 18 innings, they went 18 and a third this weekend, we're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I think the thing I like most about the bullpen, besides the results, is they do have options. Like it's not like they're like I see enough stuff that I think that that, that guys will eventually emerge. You know, it's just about mentality, confidence. No, just not enough relievers through strike one tonight. It was just a lot of one zero, two one, three one counts, and, and you you just can't succeed against a lineup like this that way. Um, so it, the coaching staff's kind of in a tough spot because on one hand, it's like this is such an important series for ECU as we talked about. Probably the most important series from an RPI perspective on the weekend as it stands now. But it's the second weekend of the season. You don't want to push guys too much, but you kind of have to, which is what we saw with Danny, Bill, and Shinkman, the two guys I think ECU trust the most right now. And then I saw a lot of you know comments during the game on the game thread about like what are we doing with bullpen management? And I was like, I think what you do is you just you're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall till something sticks, till somebody gets an out, and it just wasn't happening. So that's my thing is you don't really trust the guys because they've never been in these situations outside of you know Danny and Shinkman. Shinkman was down today. Danny was obviously throwing three games, four games in a row, right? Because he threw at Campbell. I mean, that's not ideal. So that's my thing. I think it's just. I like what I see from DiLorenzo. I think Costello will be fine. I think Groller will be a good matchup lefty. I think Drew Bryan's got good stuff. He just worked behind too much today. Um, so I think they'll be okay. I don't know if it'll be a lights-out bullpen, but it can be a good enough bullpen is kind of my take. I mean, I don't know. Do you all agree with that? Or you know, do, like, do you like the options and stuff? I feel like there is depth. It's just a matter of who kind of emerges. Yeah, I think someone that I think we were all high on coming in, I know the staff was too, is Jaden Winter. And I meant to touch on him initially, but I think he's kind of struggled so far. He didn't pitch today. and But I do think he's still a guy. I think I predicted him to lead the team in saves, and I still think he could. And while he hasn't looked great so far, I think if he can develop another pitch that he can trust outside of his fastball and commit not only command it but put guys away with it, then – He's going to be pretty good. He's still the guy. He, again, it's February baseball, and he's facing opposing teams for the first time in months. And he's still the guy I expect to take a big step. And if he can do that especially, not only do you have another late-game option you can trust, 
but you have another big power righty that's tough for teams to face late in games. So if he can step up too, then I think it'll only help. But yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of options. And while you might be lacking on trusted high leverage options outside of Danny and Wyatt, I still think you're deep enough at the position to where you can scrape your way by like you did today if you have to, if it really comes down to it. All right, Leighton says, thoughts on Cliff Goblin's choice to go Richie after Hunter, especially with what we saw with him against Campbell. You know, Richie, Scott, I'll let you touch on this. Richie's a guy they I think they trust to an extent because he's had some big moments. But, um, you know, obviously got to find a way to to cut down on the home run ball. And uh, great breaking stuff, but, again, got to work ahead to, uh, you know, to fully capitalize there. Yeah, we got to put him in positions to succeed too um, is what I would say there. You know, from what I saw at Campbell, we had second and third. Um, he had just gotten an out to get to the second out of the inning, and he falls behind 3-0 to a, a power righty. And the 3-0 pitch the guy took a huge swing on. And, I, and, and in my head I thought, do not get this pitch anywhere near the play. Because he's, he's got it almost timed, and, it, and the next pitch was smoked. And shout out to Grant Nip because he played a great game and he closed it out for Campbell, you know, tip of the cap to that guy. But should have never even pitched him, in, in my opinion, um, especially with the lefty uh, in the on-deck circle. So I, I think we going forward, I think you'll see him face more lefties than righties, and I think that's kind of where his role would be at for me right now. Because um, I think he's super effective against left-handed hitters, but those power right-handed bats, it's going to be a tough time for him to get those guys out unless he can develop a pitch to work off that curveball that is so effective. William Alexander says starting pitching is electric. Bullpen will get better. UNC is a really good team that is going to win a lot of games. Big series win and arguably the greatest game I've seen in Clark LeClaire today. Uh, Adam says Aaron Fit. Said ECU starting rotation is on a short list for best in the country. Well, early results say it's got to be up there. I mean, if Jay Hunter keeps pitching like this, that is a, a very good one, two, three. Um, JPN says, felt like Godwin was throwing darts with the pin the last few innings and nothing was hitting. I mean, I think both teams were. It was just got to throw guys out there that can eventually get out to keep giving different looks. And it was just like you guys said third game of a taxing weekend series and uh that's just kind of the situation you find yourself in william says what are the chances of seeing jackson de lorenzo get some weekday work to get some additional winnings he looked to have the most command over the strike zone out of the bullpen today would love to see him get some more work yeah i mean he's throwing 91 92 now i think he'll be throwing 93 94 later this year you know pretty good slider uh good fastball i think he's gonna end up being a back-end guy and uh I think we all like what we're seeing out of De Lorenzo, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think you said he's 91-92, but I think his fastball plays up a little more than that too. And, yeah, I mean, he's a guy he – looked, he looked pretty good today. And he had that wild pitch. That was unfortunate. But he, that's your first inning with a new catcher too. Then that, that's tough. And, again, that's a big moment, biggest moment he's pitched in this far. But, yeah, I like him too. I like his upside. I think – like you said, down the road by the end of the year, I think he will be a back-end option at the very least, if not, you know, one of the guys that is closing out games for you. So there's a lot of potential there. All right, William Landis says, I'm hoarse, I'm exhausted, but what a weekend. So proud of these guys and the way they battled all weekend. 
Yeah, if you went to all three games, major props to you. It is a grind, um, at least covering the games. And uh, I, I feel like I need a, a lot of beer, but uh, I don't really have time to drink it. Um, but it was just a long weekend, man. So uh, glad the Pirates did well for you, William, and uh, hopefully the others that tuned in. All right, rankings question, then we'll get back into more of some of these. Let's go to our resident ranking experts, Jonathan Wagner and Scott Lorbacher. Luke Dover wants to know, where do you see ECU tomorrow in the rankings? Does Campbell move into the top 25? So uh, Scott, who goes by Butner Pirate, he tracks all the top 25 action on the Hoist of Colors message board. So we'll let you kick it off. Give us the, the latest results, Scott. As Wagner flips through his notes, he's preparing. Uh, what do you got, Scott? Do the Pirates move at all tomorrow? I think they do move, but not necessarily in the direction that we want to. Um, no, really don't, nobody don't do in it. front of us lost, right? So while we won a great series, we, we did go 2-2 two and two this week. Um, but you can't drop after losing a top 15 series, right? Well, I'm just playing counter, counterpoint here. The, the fellas at D1 have a bit of a love affair with a baseball program based out of Durham, North Carolina, who is currently 7-0. and So I think maybe, and, I, and I'm hoping not, Duke slides up one above us, and we drop to 12, and that's it. Now, Virginia also had a really great week. Um I could see them moving up too. I don't, I, I don't think we'll drop down more than one spot, but it would not shock me if we slid to 13 and Duke and UVA both jumped us. Um, as far as the second half of the question, if it were me, I would have Campbell right at that 24-25 spot. Um, they're a team with three top 25 wins um, already in the season. Um, I would Personally, I don't think that – UCSB should be ranked if Campbell's not. Um, Iowa's a team that got swept this weekend. Um, they started off the week in 18. Do they stay in the top 25 after getting swept, including a loss to Wichita State, who I learned today has never lost to Iowa. They seem very proud of that. I don't know if that's a rivalry game. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, UCLA uh, started the week out at 20. I uh, got swept by TCU at TCU. TCU is obviously a top five program. I don't know if UCLA slides all the way out or not. Um, and Campbell is going to need at least probably three or four teams to slide out for them to slide in. Wags, do you, if you were making these rankings, would you move ECU down after a top 15 series win? Oh, now that's a whole other question. If I was making the rankings, if I was making the rankings, Vanderbilt would fall way down from six. They had a three and two week. They won their weekend against Gonzaga. But if it was up to me, um, Vanderbilt would fall down to that, you know, 12, 13 range because I don't think they're that good. Um, at least not top six good. But I, I, I agree with Scott. I think ECU falls. I put in my official predictions that I published today i had them going down to 12 i did have duke jumping i had virginia staying one spot behind ecu but again if it was up to me vanderbilt is falling below ecu stand and we were close to clemson got throttled 18 to 1 on friday and they needed a late inning comeback to win on saturday so we were that close to probably staying right where we are but i just think 
the country is noticing Duke, I think, and I think the D1 guys especially, and I'm high on Duke as well. But And I also did have Campbell moving in to 20, number 23. I had three new teams joining, Kansas State falling out. I did have UC, UCLA and Iowa both falling out, and UCSB just in there. I don't know if they should be, but I put them one spot below Campbell and Dallas Baptist joining in as well as Auburn. All right, uh, a rider update, by the way. They got swept by East Tennessee State. They're now 0-6. So if we're hoping that Ryder could be a nice RPI bump, not looking good early. Hopefully the uh, the Bronx can figure it out. I think it's quite some time before they play a home game. But uh, they did lose 3-1, to 5-4, to four, and then they got blown out. So they were competitive at least. But come on, Bronx. Pick it up. Um, all right, let's, let's – Bronx Nation. <laughs> let's ride. All right, let's see. I'm scrolling through the comments here. Hunter Bowen says, um, any concerns with young catcher? Hunter, are you asking about McChrystal or – I mean, really no one's young except Walker Barron. And I do McChrystal's not have any concerns about him. Well, Coxon <laughs> is a fifth-year senior. So, I've, I don't really have any concerns about the catcher. I think the catchers – I mean, could McChrystal have stopped the ball in the ninth? Maybe, but it wasn't an easy play. Um. No concerns. Chris Allen says we scored at least six in every game, but one thus far. If the bullpen can even be average with the starters in the lineup, we can be great. Adam says, can we get Brian Packard's dad to go to Fayetteville and stream the game live next week? I think Carter Cunningham's dad did for like a few innings. In the, the Wi-Fi there is terrible. One thing I will say, Wi-Fi and media setup, not good, but I don't blame him. Uh, Jack says the Saturday lineup worries me because if the catcher gets injured or we need to pinch run for him, we are putting Wallace in it in a catcher, which is quite the downgrade in my opinion. Is Wallace that good? Assuming I think he's trying Walker. to say Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Walker Walker Barron. Walker Barron is a very good freshman defensive catcher. So I think ECU trust him in that spot. Is it ideal? No, but it's an option. So you would to me, you know, it's, it's tough, guys, because I want to see McChrystal and Clonch get more at-bats, but there's just not enough spots right now going around. Yeah, and I think, well, McChrystal, at least based on the first two two series, it seems like he's going to be Zach Root's catcher. So if he continues to catch on Saturdays, you're going to have some two-week midweeks coming up. So I'm sure he'll catch one of those. He should. I'd, I'd be upset if he didn't, actually. But, and I mean, you're still going to have those days where Wilcoxon is DHing, McChrystal's catching, or vice versa. And it's just tough. It's a good problem to have because you do have options in this lineup, I think, more quality options than we have had in a couple of years. And, but again, I do think Walker Barron is someone that I would trust defensively, at least, to go down there and catch in a big moment if you need him to. Is he going to be as good as Wilcoxon right away, McChrystal right away? But he's still a guy that, at least especially compared to last year, you, you, you trust him if you get into the situation. They wouldn't be putting themselves in the situation if that did come up if they weren't comfortable with him. All right, Bruce Willis, a.k.a. Buck Wild, has found the chat. He says, domination. <laughs> <laughs> he also says, how many of those Pitt County boys come back home? I guess he's asking about uh, – I guess he's asking about uh, Mateus. They had on the uh, broadcast today. They they said UNC had three. Pitt County. They do have another Rose guy, no. And then they had someone that played at like Pitt Community College. 
which I don't know if you can count that as a Pitt County guy, but sure. Is Wags frozen? <laughs> I, think Wags, I think Wags is frozen. All right, let me. I'm going to remove Wags until he can get back in. <laughs> Wags just takes me. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the top row. Uh, Wags just said, I see, hear nothing. Oh, let me text him real quick. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I booted you. Uh, re, re-enter the chat. This is live. Uh, this is live podcasting right here. Um, all right. So uh, Bruce Willis continues, ECU number one. He also says Bristol Carter, punk UNC all the way back to the hos- to the state hospital. He says Virginia is disqualified. He says we have the starters to win the Super Regional. And he says Luke, no walk, six exclamation points. So good good of you to find the – the uh, <laughs> Jonathan's Wi-Fi won't reconnect. He is, uh, he's been disqualified as well, along with Virginia. All right, so let's uh, we'll continue on. We'll see if we can get Wags on. If not, we're about near the end, anyways. Um, Skull says, "Did we talk about the bullpen yet? Should we be worried?" You know, we did talk a lot about the bullpen. I don't think we're in the worried spot, right, Scott? Based upon our our talk, no, not not against the teams we played. Um, they didn't struggle the first three games. You know that that wasn't that wasn't an issue there. So, I think this next week we'll get a lot more information. Um, you look at. Purdue, Southeastern Louisiana, Cal State Fullerton, Old Dominion. Those aren't necessarily good teams, um, but they're capable teams, better than Ryder, but worse than Campbell and UNC. So um, we'll see how they perform this week, and I think it's definitely something that we're we're definitely going to have an eye on for the next four. All right. I think he's back in, and he's now on the bottom. Welcome to the bottom, Wags. How's it feel? (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know what happened there. My – only my computer. My iPad's up. My phone's on. Still connected to the Wi-Fi, but my computer decided to hit enough. So, but I'm back somehow. We can't have a full show without a little glitchiness. Um, Skull also says we all know to win a regional, we need a deep bullpen. That's scary. Hopeful for a turnaround. Logan says, "How does the LED lights look? Much more crisp. We didn't see like any of the uh, like effects or anything after a big moment." Like I thought after the Bristol Carter walk-off, we might see some some lights. But unless I blacked out, I don't think I remember any lights flashing. But they just got installed. So look much crisper. And the most important thing of all, the annoying loud buzz is gone. Those are the loudest lights in the world, the ones they had before. And I think that's gone now. Um, all right. Chip Wall says, did y'all see the broadcast posted AAC scores today? Is there any chance a team or two can give us a true run? I think he or somebody else asked earlier if like the conference has shown anything early on. Uh, what what do y'all make of the league early on, Scott? We'll start with you. Anything stand out? Yeah, um, Charlotte plays a really tough schedule. Um, they started the year with Virginia Tech and then had West Virginia. They stole both Sunday games, um, but lost the series. Uh, Rice had a lefty go uh, throw a complete game yesterday against uh, a team that's typically good. I don't know if they are this year in Louisiana um, with like eleven Ks. Um, so I don't think there's a team that I would predict right now to beat us in a three-game series. But as we move forward, there's going to be times where we need to win all three games on a weekend. Um, you know, maybe we lose a Tuesday night or, um, you know, we're, we're trying to get to that top eight and it's a 
220 RPI team, but there's good baseball being played in the AAC. Well, I should say there's good baseball players in the AAC. <laughs> They're just not always on good teams. And when those players are pitchers, it can be difficult to win um, all three games in a weekend. We saw it with Tulane when uh, Teo Banks, not even a pitcher, the batter just kind of took over Greenville on a Saturday. So I, I have not been impressed by the teams in our league. Uh, but they've all had, you know, well, not all of them, but there, there have been teams that have had good wins. And Charlotte specifically, I think, will play better the longer the season goes. Yeah, disappointed Tulane gets swept at home by UC Irvine. Um, to let a team come – I know Irvine is a quality team, but to let a California team come to your home field and sweep you, not exactly good there. Um, Connor Rasmussen is off to a pretty good start for the Wave. He has two homers, nine RBIs, ECU transfer. What stands out about – the league thus far to you, Wax. Yeah, and just real quick, I want to go back to the top twenty-five discussion real quick. On yeah, yeah, I forgot baseball, you got the booted. I just, I just want to say that uh, Oregon State it on D one baseball they had it flipped. Oregon State was the home team. Oklahoma State was the road team. Oregon State won today on D one baseball. Said they lost. So I did want to note that just since we did talk about teams around us earlier, but. To the American, I do think a team that stood out to me this weekend, they went one and two, but it was Wichita State. And they went two and one opening weekend, but they played in the in the Jacks College Baseball Classic, whatever it's called in Jacksonville this weekend with Virginia, ranked number 14 coming into the week. Iowa, ranked number 18, and Auburn, a team that should be ranked. And if not for a weather delay on Friday, then I think Wichita State maybe wins that game. They lose five to four and ten. And they beat Iowa today, twelve to six. They lost nineteen to eight to Auburn. But Wichita State, I think they're a team that could get better down the stretch. This weekend showed that they're capable at least of playing better. So that's another team, and the rest is kind of a crapshoot. I think Scott pretty much nailed it. But USF has enough experienced bats to where I think they, as they get going, I think they could be a team. They're not going to contend with ECU at the top. Nobody is of the American. That's just plain and simple. But teams that could potentially push in a series and play better as the season goes along. All right. A few more things that we'll get to our weekly predictions. Uh, Johnny Robertson always bringing the stats Says our weekend starting rotation has a combined ERA of 0.84 through six games. He says Wyatt Lunsford Shinkman has struck out 14 of the 18 batters that he has retired. Good numbers there as always from Johnny stats. Chip says it will be great. To not have to go undefeated in conference play so we don't drop in the RPI. Definitely agree. All right, last question, then we'll jump into our predictions. Steven Gilliam says, does Luke Nowak and Bristol Carter keep rotating in left field? Who gets the start against ODU? I guess a lot of that comes down to matchup guys, but you also got the scenario where Cam Clonch can play first. You can put Carter Cunningham on left. So it's just I think we're going to continue to see them go with the hot hand there. What do you all make of that situation? Yeah, I think it'll just be a platoon pretty much for a while and not a direct platoon. There'll be days where one of them's in left and one's at DH, I'm sure. But it's one of those things that I think they also like having Carter as an option to come in late games due to his speed, whether it's pinch running for someone or whether he's coming into left field. And he did both today. 
And again, shows I still trust him. So I think you'll see a mix of both. But I mean, you can't take Nowak out after what he did today either. So, and he didn't start, I think, yesterday. So, correct. Again, good option to have, but I think you're going to see plenty of both of them moving forward. But by the end of the year, Bristol Carter will be an everyday outfielder on this team. All right, Scott, you're Cliff Goblin. And uh, in this scenario, not in real life, but in the scenario, uh, who are you starting Tuesday in left field and at first and at DH? Do we know the handiness matchups be damn. I don't know. of the, the old Dominion pitcher? Let's just assume some average left-hander that will throw mid-80s. Then I'm starting Bristol Carter in left field, uh, Cunningham at first, and Quanch at DH. Um, yeah, I think we'll see Bristol and Nowak kind of rotate in based off of that, um, especially as we go through the middle part of the year. And then one of them will separate from the other one. You know, who knows which one it'll be, but, you know, if stats hold up and Bristol's hitting 380 and Nowak, despite his newfound power is, is still batting 250. Then I think you'll see Bristol in the, in the lineup more often. Um, because Nowak is such a threat to pinch run and, and do so very well. So, um, I like, I like Bristol getting more road playing time early in the year. Um, we saw how he struggled in an away stadium, on Friday night with the lights. So getting him out of that comfort zone into new places and new stadiums so that later in the year, if he is in the game, he's acclimated a bit more. All right, JP and 12-12, last question. Are Root and you Savage the two best pitchers in the country? Uh, if you're if you're asking about one-two punch, I think they definitely rake up there. But there are a lot of really good pitchers. I mean, Wake Forest is loaded. Which is absolute dudes. Um, Arkansas. Arkansas. What I mean, what's it was Hagen Smith. Smith and Brady Tiger. Yeah, I mean, They're 15 Ks. Absolute beast. 17 so, out of his 18 batters he retired were Ks. Crazy. <laughs> Skull Pirate says Wag's already wearing a Purdue shirt. Shake my head. <laughs> yeah, it does hey, like a Purdue shirt. You know what this is? This is Pinecrest High School. So I need I needed some Colby Wallace today. There you go. Um, what shirt are you wearing, Scott? This is my uh, Food City 500 from Bristol Motor Speedway. Okay. In it's honor Bristol, of Bristol baby. Carter. Bruce Willis says we're probably two lost balls in the light from a weekend sleep. So, yeah. Weekend sweep. I am a, I am two lost balls from a weekend sleep. I don't even know what that means, but whatever. All right. <laughs> Let's make some predictions before I fall asleep. Um, here we go. I've got it. All right. Uh, <laughs> Old Dominion on Tuesday at three o'clock, Bud Matheny ballpark. No better place to watch a game in the USA. And then we got the Keith LeClaire Classic. Purdue is the matchup Friday at 430. I'm trying to look up what these teams have done on the fly here. So if I'm stalling, that's why Purdue thus far is six and two on the season. They took a series from Stony Brook three out of four, and then they took two out of three, excuse me, three out of four from George Mason this weekend. So they are six and two. Pretty, pretty solid early season showing for the Boilers. And then Cal State Fullerton, kind of the headliner with uh Jason Dietrich returning. That'll be the Saturday game. And that will be a 330 first pitch 
on Saturday. Again, this is all subject to the change. Cal State Fullerton, 3-3 three and three on the year. They took a series at Stanford. Then they lost a series against Fresno State at home. Uh, second year under Dietrich. Or is it third year? It used to be the third year under Dietrich. Third, I believe, yeah. I think so. Am I correct? Thank you, Ryan. Okay. Um, all right. And then we've got uh, Southeastern Louisiana is the third game. And the Lions, I believe, are four and three. Wins over Tarleton State. They won two out of three. They lost at South Alabama in midweek game, and they won two out of three at UAB this weekend. So there you go, guys. Uh, Four-game week ahead. What do we make of this week? Let's make some predictions. We'll start with uh, Jonathan Wagner. We'll also do our bold predictions as well. I I think we're going to start off with a win at Old Dominion, a good road win. I think this team needs that. So at Old Dominion, you're going to ride the momentum. And the conservative, the brain part of me wants to say you lose one over the Classic over the weekend, but I'm not going to do that. And I'm riding high off of this one. I think we learned a lot this weekend. The momentum's going to continue. Four in a week, big four in a week. But I do think both Friday and Saturday will be tight games. One where you, you will need your guys to come in at the end. And bold prediction. Hmm. All right. I can't hear what you are saying. So, but I think y'all can hear me, correct? Yes. All right. <laughs> I was I was wondering. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So you go ahead, Scott. Assuming you were done, Wags. All right, I'll fin I'll finish off here. But um I'm gonna have my bold prediction and say um I said Joy Barini finished today um with two hits. Finished two for four today, I believe. I think Joey Barini's gonna have a five hundred week this week. He's gonna come through, he's gonna stay in that nine hole, and he's gonna come through with a needed five hundred week and really get him going again. And now we'll go to Scott. Yeah, um, yeah, it's hard not to hard not to say four zero. Um, looking at this lineup of teams, you look at Purdue; they put up some runs, but I think we play them on Friday night. Um, they haven't faced the Savage yet. Um, you know, George Mason gave up a billion runs to Duke and Coastal, and then Mason can uh, continue to give up a bunch of runs to Purdue. Um, Fullerton. Did take a series at Stanford, but Stanford isn't who they who they used to be, um, or who they've been the last five years. So I'm, I'm going to go four and zero, and for bold prediction, I think Bristol Carter gets his first career home run uh, this week uh, during the Leclerc Classic. Back to you, I go this way. Your turn. All right, I have no idea what y'all said. I did see that. I think I have no idea what's going on. Um, sure. So I, what I'm going to do is here I'm going to make uh I'm going to make pre- my predictions and then I'll wrap up the show. Um I did think I read Bristol Carter first home run I think from Scott. Okay. Y'all let me know what Wags uh what Wags said as well in the comment section. All right, I'm going to go uh I'm going to go 4 and 0 week as well. I think the Pirates find a way in ugly fashion against Old Dominion to win that midweek game. And then I think they just take care of business. I think that they'll play some tight games throughout the weekend. Keith LeClaire classic always delivers some tight games, especially that Cal state Fullerton game. Looking forward to another big game route. And I think I'll follow up and go big game route second week in a row. 
I'm going to go Zach Root. Only six innings this time. But I'm going to go... I'm going to go nine. I'm going to go 10Ks. Double-digit strikeouts for Zach Root. And uh, the Pirates wrap up a 4-0 week. And so, um, that's all I got. I can't hear Scott. I can't hear Wags. I don't know what's going on. So, we're going to wrap up the show here. And I appreciate you guys. We've gone almost an hour and 15 minutes anyway. So, thank you to Wags. Thank you to Scott. Appreciate you all, as always. And thanks to all the commenters as well. We will be back, I think, next Sunday night. we got the fantasy draft. So, we may have to go Monday night. Forgot about that. Uh, so we'll, we'll plan to go Monday night. I think Wags is giving me the yes. Um, we'll talk to y'all then. We'll let y'all know for sure. But plan on Monday night, 9 o'clock, and we'll be on Sunday night every other week of the year. Talk to you next week. This has been the Hoisted Colors Podcast, Bucks on the Pond. Peace out. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.